You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. to grind the hardcore podcast i'm patrick i'm bob and i'm tom and gentlemen we are blessed with some of the best sponsors in the podcast game let us show them their respect <clears throat> big thank you to convulse records uh cardi b big thank you to closed casket activities meg the stallion big thank you to run for cover records Nicki minaj and big thank you to To Live a Lie. The Forgotten Queen, Little Kim. Mm. Uh, yo, you know what it is. We love them. We support them. Uh, from what we understand, they got a lot of big things coming this year. Plunk down your coins. Save up your lunch money. Get some orders ready now and later. Uh, we got big news, but they are going to have to wait, guys, because not only do we have the best sponsors in the world, with the best fans, with the best listeners, the best audience, the best purveyors, the best supporters out there, and they have asked us many questions. So my question for both of you is, how you doing? How you feeling? Uh, I'm in upstate New York. Say no more, fam. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's got your name on it. So good, 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 good. Um, we are skipping a good football game right now. Uh, my son is texting me and saying, "Good game!" Uh, wow! Oh wow! We're gonna do a wash through. Yeah, we're gonna just we're gonna try something new. Go go Lions here! Um, I had that moment, guys, as we were starting our recording. As Patrick was doing the axe to grind intro, and he goes, "I'm Patrick." I was like, "Wait, what the hell do I say now?" Oh yeah, I'm Bob. All right, okay. Uh-huh. Um, so. <clears throat> As we are lucky beneficiaries of smart, funny, and intelligent people sending us questions, we have many questions in a mailbag, and we haven't done one of these in a while. You guys ready? I'm ready. Do it. Okay, this is a tough one to start. Thank you, too. No pattern on Instagram. I'm not going to read everybody's name, but I like this. You were the first person to hit us, so you get that. Uh, Favorite album cover from 2023? It's actually an interesting question. Hmm. Is it? It's fucking impossible. What are we talking about? I'm supposed to remember what re- records came out in 2003? 2023, last year. Oh. Last year. Last year. Um, album album covers. Okay. Album, album covers. Uh, yeah. I, I think I am going to go with the Lethal 7-inch. It's uh, Hardcore Hits. Got a picture of New York City and then kind of a blood-stained uh, band name written on a brick wall thing. Looks cool. Damn. Yeah. Yes, I did pull up the Instagram post of our favorite records of the year. Uh, so maybe cheating, but that's where we're at. I think I'm going to go with the incendiary record. I like that artwork. 
Mm. Cool, cool. Very New York City. There's a fucking ambulance, an ambulance in the uh, in the air. Hell yeah! <laughs> oh yeah! Uh, Nick Patrick. Self defense family. Uh, fake shit wins, but not tonight. Yeah, the the that's very good album art. Um, and I, I haven't I haven't, so, t- I haven't touched a copy yet, but apparently, uh, the what they call the form factor, uh, mm. very strong. Uh, Shout out to Landland, who, uh, by all accounts, did a really good job, and um, I'm sure I'll touch one soon. Actually, I bet I'm at my folks' house. There's probably one here. I have all this shit delivered here, and it all ends up in the garage uh, getting uh, uh, rained. You got to do what I did, man. Mini Christmas uh, unboxing. It was awesome. You, you save your mail order. I enjoyed for, that over many months. Oh, it's so fun. And then you un, you rip it all open at once. It's it's great. It's better than opening like one random thing. You ordered it in the mail. You didn't need it. You can, it can wait a couple months. So open it all at once. Uh, as our uh, sponsors will tell us, what you just described is a very minority opinion among mail order people. That, that's correct. Very very correct. <laughs> you know, can we talk? We should have uh, not a hard interview, but we should just have sound bites from all of our sponsors and other labels that do a strong mail order business of just, you know, you know, those late night shows where they'll have people read mean tweets about them, celebrities and whatnot. Oh yeah. Uh, We should have them. We should have them read the meanest emails they've gotten. regarding. I put in my order yesterday. I still didn't get my shipment number. Like so much of that number. You fuck (laughs) so much of that. Uh, So much more than you could ever imagine. Yeah. Go ahead. To answer your question, I don't. I don't know. I'm going to answer this question like midway through our fucking episode. All right, you think on it. You you pontificate. All right. Um, oh, this is a great question. Um, for context, I'm 25. Can you explain Jade Tree Records to me, guys? You want to give this one a shot? I think I have the easy elevator answer here. Okay, um, Tom. We'll work in tandem. Uh, the historical aspect is came out of a uh, explicitly hardcore label called High Impact. Is that correct? I got that right. name right, right? I think so. Um, <clears throat> it was High Impact and Action Pact coming together. Oh, right. Um, so very youth crew labels. Yeah, and uh, at first you could see it as uh, kind of a slow dial turn towards that more indie leaning uh, uh, hardcore but slow at first and over time uh they continued to put out music that certainly would fall under the spectrum of hardcore for me personally but likely not for a lot of uh our listeners and uh oh eventually became this other thing entirely uh and then spent too much money on a fucked up record went out of business that's not exactly how it worked, but um, Tom. But they were very. They were. <clears throat> they were like uh, one of the OGs of the um, adjacent scene. Yeah. Yep. Um. So a lot of like hardcore folks that like were starting to do their first indie bands. Mm-hmm. A lot of that ended up on J Tree. Um. Kind of did a bunch of everything. They had you know, like, they did Turning Point stuff. They did. As you know, uh, from Ashes Rise, they did 
strike anywhere, lifetime, but damnation, but they'd also have like mile marker and alkaline trio and, you know, the promise ring, you know, and stuff like that. Um, there was a time in the very early aughts that was like top three indie labels, like, like hardcore related indie labels. Would you say? Yeah, no question. No question. Um, right. Like my, my easy answer is if somebody has context of what's going on today, uh, they were run for cover records, uh, started in the mid to late nineties. They were just very similar. They were next to hardcore records. Sometimes they'd put out hardcore records, but they also did a lot of other stuff like both Pat and Tom said. Um, so that's kind of, I think, where they were. They were the run for cover of the late 90s. And that's early yeah, that's very um, And yeah, uh, they did not <laughs> run out of money for, <laughs> from the fucked up record. Um I, you know, there was, they did a lot of stuff. Pedro the Lion was a big one for them. Jets to Brazil. Uh, for me, that, that first Jets to Brazil album is fantastic. The Lifetime records they did were great. Um, yeah. Uh, hardcore. We use the term hardcore adjacent because it's just easy to reference. It is the stuff that isn't hardcore, but that every hardcore kid seems to like. So, yeah, that's well said. Uh, although, of course, some hardcore in there. You know, Painted yeah. Black is certainly a hardcore band. Oh, um, absolutely. You know, they did they did this Swizz reissue, the Turning Point reissue, as you said. Uh, first record was the Four Walls Falling LP. First, that's exactly right. Uh, and a classic that that uh, only this podcast seems to consider a classic. But uh, yeah, some really good records. Uh, I would urge uh, anybody who uh, does like the Run for Cover material right now or. Or the, uh, the, the classic run for cover material. Certainly, you would find some interest in a lot of the Jade Tree hits. Yeah. All right, next question. Is skin, Tom, you're answering. Is skinhead shit coming back? If yes, is part of the swing towards tougher vibes slash music? Um, I mean, is it coming back? I mean, I think it's fully back. Yep. I think <clears throat> it's funny. Go, I went to see The Chisel and Homefront. And mm. Baton Armé the other night mm. in New York. Good show. Sold out, Bowery Ballroom. Big room. Sold Pretty nuts. out, yes. I looking around, and I was like, oh, are there no gatekeepers for this? <laughs> no, I don't think there is. No, because like so. I've been to oi shows, and I'm like, I, I, I'm in danger. You know what sure. I mean? Like, I'm wearing sneakers. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, as a kid, like, I've gone to enough stuff that it's like, you know, like, you know, like, oh, you want to go see the anti-heroes? Like, all right. And then I'm like, I'm the fucking idiot in, like, the bold shirt. I know. And anti-heroes are playing the shorts soon. I'm going. I'm psyched. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yep. but, like, yeah, going to this and I was like. Scary oi shows back in the 90s. 100%. And especially in New York. Jesus Christ. And, like, mm-hmm. I remember being like, you know, like, and going there the other night, I was like, people just like stuff, like, songs that you can, like, sing with, a, like, a pint in your hand. Yeah. Universal. And, like, this is, like, but, like, where is, like, the the. I think it's where where is that like barrier to eventually that like I feel like this in black metal is like what the hipsters are like co-opting uh, a bit I think for sure because um, I mean there's still enough hardcore kids that like you look at the wrong way and they're gonna fucking rip your ear off yeah yeah I mean uh, and so I don't know if like the old school skinheads that would have been the people to do that are coming around for 
I mean, they come around for some myth for certain, for sure. But but like, also some like, of the old school skinheads skin like Violent Way, people skinheads like you know, like there's a lot of bands that like that that are straight up like skinhead oi bands that people you know skinheads come out of the woodwork for. But like seeing these bands, like the Chisel and and Homefront, they both like fucking ripped. But it was like it was as if you were going to see like the next hot thing. They were like like the guy that owned the Bowery Ballroom was there. Like yeah. Yeah, like people that like people that like work for like big uh, companies were all there like to watch this. Yep. So Tom, you can you can help me with this a bit too, but we're gonna talk about a place where <clears throat> hard, heavy beatdown, hardcore, and scary, hard street punk and oi met, which is the Pipeline in Newark, New Jersey. Oh, so this is a scary place. <laughs> But also like a very noteworthy venue in New Jersey in the mid to late nineties for sure. Um, I never went there. I just kinda was too young to get a right. ride up to Newark and then you know That's by far. the time I was old enough. Oh yeah. By the time I was I was old enough, they, the shows weren't the shows that were happening were not of interest to me. That said, I believe what you're saying is right. I think in the nineties, dudes who wanted to punch each other and punch people who they didn't like the way they looked um, had a few different ways to go. Very infrequently were they choosing uh, the, the straight edge revival. Um, very no. infrequently were they choosing the emotional hardcore and sitting down. <clears throat> they were not necessarily leaning for doghouse uh, or what's the uh, initial records. Um, yeah. They weren't coming to new Brunswick to fuck somebody up in a basement. No, no, they were, they were opting for, for, being a skin or being like tough guy, hardcore, you know, like it beat down stuff. Um, and I think after the nineties, there's at least a couple generations where you just, there was no, there was no skinhead stuff to get into that was hard or even stuff to get into full stop. Basically, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, and the big, band, the big skinhead and oi bands from 2005 to 2015. I can't. Someone might, you know, and maybe you go in and start talking about some of the foreign stuff. And there is right, like some freedom, more hardcore. Like I don't think those dudes were like oh, they were skins. Like kind of no, they were, they were kind of, but they were like hardcore kid skins. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, they weren't street punk. You know, right. Well, then my answer for that is Coxbar because I feel like. <laughs> well, so I think that the, what happened, and you're you were right. You were saying like, where's the scary old skinheads to hold? I don't. The scary old skinheads have either chilled and are like, man, I'm fifty plus. I'm cool. I'm the, the kids can do whatever the hell they're gonna want, or they're fifty plus and going, yeah, I'm an old man. <laughs> I'm I'm out to pasture. So. um I yeah, it's a good question. The gatekeeping is pretty thin there. I think it's like you said with black metal. I think it's attractive because I think as a subculture, like what is a hardcore kid in twenty twenty four? Could be a lot of things. You know, sure. maybe they have tight pants. Maybe they have wide pants. Maybe it is. Blah blah blah. You're a skinhead. You had a look. You're into black metal. You got a look. You got the uniform. Hardcore. Right. I, mean, I get the whole like, the, like the punk like singing in the pub mm-hmm. stuff like. Oh, I get the uh, award. Like it's fun. Well, and to answer the second part of this question was, if yes, is it part of the swing towards tougher vibes slash music? There's a little um, bit of like, there's a little bit of like, 
Do either of you think Popeye the Sailor Man was very tough? He's hard. I mean, he had, he's pretty hard. He had big forearms. That's right. But like he's not scary, right? No. That's, 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 that's oi music. That's 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 <laughs> melodic street punk oi music. It's you know, he's flexing. He's like, oh da, 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 da. that's all yeah, you don't want you don't want to step to him, but he's he's not malicious. No, so that's the thing. The music is like if you want hard music, hard vibes, just stick to hardcore. Excuse me. If you want, you know, maybe a good tight shirt and you can roll the sleeves and have, you know, maybe you get a pump in and get your biceps going before the gig, but you also just want to have like sing shanty songs, go to the way show. It's cool. And I'm not saying that as a diss like that, that the chisel got tracks, you know, like the bunch of these bands got good songs. Um, but it's not the music is not hard right now. Like that's if you ask me, my favorite points of when hardcore and oi or like skinhead stuff intersect, it's when it's seventy percent faster hardcore with just some drenching in of the oi or street punk sensibilities, which you could even say stuff like negative approach has some of that and their influence. Um but what we're getting now is a lot more just that kind of like it's melodic. There's it's a lot closer. We we've said this. I'll continue to say it. A lot of the stuff that's coming out is closer to pop punk than we want to admit. It's not pop punk, but it's closer because it's got these big melodic choruses that are very catchy and easy to sing. And are the vocals typically gruffer? Yeah. Is the energy different? Absolutely. But it is poppy and therefore it's a little accessible. Skins for skins. That's the way it's got to be. <laughs> um, <clears throat> we ever going to talk about code, code, blah, blah, blah. We ever going to talk about code orange again or nah? Uh, yeah, we can talk about code orange. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, look, some of us know those dudes personally and have wanted them to succeed on those grounds alone forever. Uh, that said, their music has spun in a, in a direction that, at least for me, is difficult to talk about. Not because I hate it so much, simply because I I, I have no understanding. Like, you know, uh, okay, sorry, I'm 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 gonna give a little bit of. Are you guys familiar with the band Prize Horse? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so my bandmates, we're talking about doing our tours for. The, the next owl and my bandmates really like prize horse and they would like to do some shows with prize horse, get them on shows, whatever. And I'm supportive because okay. I, I like the people in prize horse, but I don't know. I, that type of music is, it's like looking into the void for me. You know what I mean? Like it's like cosmic horror where I don't, I can't, my mind can't make sense of it. <laughs> I don't know what it is. It's got melodies. <laughs> Yeah. So I, I can't make any sense of it. And code orange is the same thing where, uh, no matter what, no matter what they do, I want them to win. I just can't, I just don't get it. You you know what I mean? So I can't talk about it intelligently because I don't know if it's good or bad. Quite frankly, I don't, I, I literally don't understand. (laughs) So, so, uh, it, it's, uh, it's tough. I mean, we could talk about where they're at right now, which is 
kind of like a, a, a career inflection point where they can either continue doing what they're doing uh, and break through to a different person entirely by, by grinding that scene and eventually hitting a vein, which it could entirely happen. No pun intended. Or yeah, no pun intended. Or they could, they could come back to base. They could come back home. And I don't know what they're going to do. I, I prefer that they come back to, you know, I am King or forever sound because that sound still resonates with me. I I like that, but whatever they do, it's kind of like, you got to make a decision and commit. And thus far they've committed to what, to the direction that they've taken. And I, you know, I don't know if it's worked for them uh, in the way that they'd hoped. Uh, But did you guys send me the thing the other day, or was that in the drug church group chat where we all marvel? I know we've talked about it. We all marvel at the Atreyu Spotify numbers. They're, no, that was, that was, that was in, in our us. chat. Maybe it was one of your once in a while, he goes, yeah. yeah. He's like, I'm going to put the baby down for a nap. I wonder what Atreyu's doing right now. That's Listen, <laughs> we have talked about it on this podcast. I know that. Go, go update yourself. <laughs> take one second, fellas. What <laughs> do you guys take the you, one second? Do you second not remember? Come on, buddy. What are you doing? You don't remember? What are we doing? How do you spell a trail? A T. Of course, I know how to spell it. What are you? Come on, one point seven million. More than, more than fucking, probably more than than turns out their height. Yes. Yep. And and here's the thing, I don't understand Atreyu's music worth a fuck, but they they grind they grinded they and what I mean by that is. They continued to put out music when people thought that that music was the lamest possible shit. And they did it. They did it because I presume they liked it, had some level of self-belief, and eventually hit a lick in whatever respect, and now have this late career success. Could Code Orange do that? Yes, 100%. Would I prefer that they just play spastic, spastic aggressive metalcore Yes, um, I would. Patrick, do you want to play yes. bass in my new band, Rockbiter? Crockbiter? Rockbiter. <laughs> I'll play bass in your band, Rockbiter. Do you know uh, what the reference Rockbiter is? You do, right? I don't. Oh, from, from yes. Okay, from Never Any uh, Story. Uh, yes, yes, yes of course. From, of course. Yeah, of course. Rockbiter's going to be like a trail. Um do you know that Rockbiter, Tom, you might not either. I didn't till this second. Did you know Rockbiter has a name? No. You ready for it? Jim. Shy Hulud. Pjorn Crack Zark. P Y O R N K R A C H Z A R K. Rockbiter it is. Rockbiter. These hands. These hands. Um <laughs> Yo, so Atreo sucks. Uh, Code Orange never did anything for me. I think their uh, post-industrial foray into kind of uh, slight butt rocking was their best era because they structurally, I think they found something there more so than I had found in their earlier material. Um, full disclosure, it's just hard to maintain an audience's attention if sound shifts in a way that is unexpected or perhaps not desired. 
That said, I respect them for doing it and wanting to do it as long as that's just what they creatively want to do. Um, seems like it. Credit to them for doing that because who gives a rip what I think about their music if they're doing what they want to do? Full stop, right? Sure um, thing. Patrick, you know this answer better than anyone. Oh, hey, you know, Self-Defense Family would be doing so much better if you played music from your albums from five or six or seven or ten years ago. Would would not respond well. Correct. So credit to them for doing it and more so than any kind of prognosticating on it. They just canceled a pretty big tour with Gel, a few other interesting bands. Who is it? I think Gridiron. Yeah, Soulblind was on the whole thing, I think. Gel was on the whole thing. Gridiron was on a big chunk of it. Uh, It was Spy. It was a good lineup, and they had to cancel it due to some health issues. So thoughts to them for the health issues. Um, Yeah, that's they're kind of in a spot. It's it's a. It's a hard thing because I think they they still have an album that's relatively new, and this was sort of that the tour for that. So yeah, sort of a bummer. All right, Tom, anything, or do you want me to keep it going? No, I tend to agree with Pat. I think when they were that "I Am King Forever" bag, I think they were better at that style than anybody going. Mm. And if they would have stayed with that, I think. I think they would have gotten bigger in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think they would have been, you know, converge level, you know, crowds while not, you know, I mean, and and obviously Nine Inch Nails is a big, big, you know, thing for them and all that sort of stuff. But like, I feel like with those two records, like there were no bands that were playing like heavy, moshy, like metal with like, you know, better than them honestly i thought those two records were like they, if they would have kept on that i think they would have grown in that sound and probably would have been bigger right now if they did yeah i agree with that yeah you know what i mean like michelle draws fucking five thousand people yep i think almost undeniable like look just speaking plainly uh we talked we talked about them as much as we talked about power trip as much as we talked about turnstile when this podcast first started now that was six years ago a lot changes but all those bands were on high-level trajectories. Credit to the people going where their hearts take them creatively. Yeah, exactly right. <sighs> Seeing a lot of love for 25 to Life slash Come and Correct. Are we at the precipice of a Rick to Life assance? Yes. Stop it. Yes. <laughs> I'm just we're, saying we're, what's true. We're not on the precipice. It's already been here. Um, look. That car has gone over the fucking side of the mountain. Tom, here's the thing, man. In 2024, uh, it, it's it's the horseshoe theory of music. It, it 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 all comes very close to each other when it goes far enough. You know what I mean? So now sure. we're back, baby. It went off the cliff, <laughs> circled the planet, and is now now driving again. Yeah, like Vin Diesel, like Vin Diesel was driving it, and it came all the way yes. back. I want 25 to life to go to Home Depot and start asking people if this rope can support 150 pounds. That's what I want. Uh, mm. 25 to life sucks. Always did. Come correct. <coughs> always did. Bootleg bad version not. of New York hardcore. That's what I always felt. I don't Tom necessarily won't go that hard. sign up. Yeah, yeah. I won't go that hard. Yeah. I'm going um, <laughs> time and place. As a kid, I loved them. I thought I thought that demo in the first like seven inch and EP, I thought it was great. 
a lot of people in your camp on that too, Tom. Like full. Stop. I mean, they were like, dude, like they were big, man. Like it was, they it was did like really shocking. well. They did really well, hundred percent. You know, and like think of whatever you might think of the guy. Like he really kind of created like a a new level of like sketchy DIY. Yes. That never really existed before. Um, I think, you know, I feel like we've, it, the, the problem is that we've gone through all the good bands for people to like, be like, yo, have you heard such and such from 1989? That's true. That's true. That now like the, the, you know, the, the guy who's like running the fucking, uh, the grave digger, whatever the hell it is, whatever they call it. Um, this, this not, I don't do hard work. I do brain work. Um, <laughs> the tiller or whatever the hell it is. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. now going back in. It's like, it's getting a little dark down here. And it's yeah. bands that it were not thought of remotely as in, 25 to Life was big, but there's other bands that are like not, you know, of their time and place, like they were fine, but not like, oh, are now considered legends. Yeah, so, so I will and say I think 25 to Life is one of them. People like kind of go back, but it's like, 20 Nights Alive to me was like a once in a lifetime thing and not in like a, I can't believe I'm watching Wemby like Wemby <laughs> <laughs> but like one of the things that was like this confluence of folks you know guy from Demise fucking Warren Lee you know the Lee brothers from New York like they had to, and then you put this like random guy in the front with dreads who was doing Roger it's like Tom that was a, what you know what's funny what? I I I swear to God, two days ago people were posting about Twenty Five to Life on Twitter, and I almost put the photo in our group chat to add. You know how I do this to you sometimes? How I'll say, Tom, can you name everybody in this photo? Yeah. I I almost did that and thought it was mean, but then, no, it, but but that you just you just proved that you could have done it. <laughs> you know, well, I mean, you know, I mean I've seen I saw them from the get go. Yeah. <laughs> There's a guy named Frankie Bumpers. <laughs> um Warren Lee played bass who now became like him and his brother Royce became like uh worked like worked for, like Slayer like they became like road dog touring people. Um yeah, I mean and Beto that was in Madball and 20 and and Demise was in it. I mean they went through okay. a ton of people and Fred I, I know so so by the time Fred, yeah. by the by the time I saw 25 to life I have to imagine that it was fourth lineup. Correct, uh, correct, correct. But Tom, I'm sending you a photo. You tell me the year if you can. And <laughs> come on, what am I like? No, but I mean, give me the range. Give me the range. Um. Mm. All right. So this is my guess on this is 98. No, I'm going to say 95, 96. All right. So oh. original guitar player. I mean, you got to be if you got the 25 to life by Lee Rocker. Yeah. Yep. There's Rick, obviously. That's Warren. And Rick's spreads are of a certain length. They, they get significantly longer. Right. So this is probably 95, 96. And that's Seth who played in One for One and and a myriad other bands in like Northern Jersey. He was in Fat Nuts. Oh, oh. Legendary Fat Nuts. Um, but yeah, this is... That's a joke. They're not legendary. Um, they're kind of legendary. Discipline. Yeah, it's probably this is probably ninety five, ninety six. It's like it maybe like uh, the keeping it real EP era, maybe. Okay, but like you know, Rick was doing like the Roger thing, like a year after Roger did it. 
Yes. So it wasn't even like, he, you know, he's a little years, more you know? yippy yappy, but you're not wrong. That's definitely what he's I mean, doing. It was only what he was going for. Come on. Yeah. But like, you know, it's not like people go back and like, that guy was really trying to be rabies. I'm like, yeah, from like 25 years ago. It's like, yeah. Yeah, you're trying to be Roger IF from like, yo, the record is still in stores, bro. Yeah. <laughs> it was like so on the nose yeah. that I feel like it was like a once in a lifetime confluence of all these people coming together that like there was no need to ever try to copy that. You're not going to do it. Uh, here's my thing. I do not feel as uh, – uh, I'm not as confident in 25 to life being terrible as Bob is. Um, I agree. Uh, I feel like the early stuff is fine. It's good. Uh, I Coming will say just like 25 to life kept like kind of going away and they're like he's like I have another way of making money that's correct well yeah I mean look it, it went in a, a bunch of directions that I think are are the best you could say about them is interesting uh, but yeah. I I think he went from Roger to Jake Bannon uh, and I I without knowing yeah oh yeah definitely without knowing but uh, Ooh. I think a lot of the music is. I think a lot of the music actually stands up. I, I, I think that it is a a, a difficult pill with the vocals. Uh, it's not. For, it's uh, it's not for everybody. So that's that's um, that's a that's a fair thing to say. Um, his vocals. What Thomas said is correct. They were not just a thing. They were kind of the thing for a minute. Rick has a more important role than people let on. He became a parody of himself. Um, people liked to parody him. And his vocals kind of became a parody of what they were. Um, I had friends who would go grab the mic when 25 to Life or Come and Correct would play and just go blah, 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 in the vibe. Yes. Um, but then stop because they didn't want to be in album photos, <laughs> which happened. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the deal is, is that Tom also made a fantastic point. I love a lot of late eighties New York hardcore demos. I love certain bands off the uh, 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 New Breed comp. Love, love Capital L. But it also, I think, really, really wore on people being told how good this band who released a four song demo and two comp songs is and how all these bands who did a lot like, yo, 25 to life did a lot and how those bands are not as good because they weren't, you know, this relic, this hard to find thing. One thing 25 to life did, especially in the nineties, which put themselves out there. Like, yes. And they became, yeah, Oh yeah. Like, like, look, I I don't think I think that what people are doing in terms of like looking at 25 to life and back to basics as these like templates they're taking it in the wrong way. We, you don't need to have the baggy pants and like kind of bunk uh, logos and this and that. He did an amazing job distributing stuff. He, yep. It was very DIY. Um, he bootlegged the fuck out of things. <laughs> Which not stole, cool. stole. yeah stole, but but in the same breath he did do a lot of things. Um, the music is actually I think the drumming's not great. I, I did a dive <clears throat> on twenty five <laughs> to life because as I encourage people, if you don't like something, 
listen to it so you can identify what you don't like about it. So you yeah, can be like, that's true. Not a dickhead. Like, don't, well, yeah, don't dismiss it full bore without actually like Rick's vocals get very parody level. Tom, you're not yep. wrong. Demo and maybe up to keeping it real. There's some merit there in his vocals. After that, I think it gets merit or merit, <laughs> Roger <Yeah>. or merit. <laughs> uh, there's there's a lot of one, there's a, a lot of merit, and there's enough merit. And then at a certain point, there's no more, and it's just a full transparency. Thing. That's where I fall off though. Like after the keeping it real EP, like that's. I mean, it's not like I'm like. Have you heard fucking Brotherhood loyalty? I have no. No, it I starts to get asked. closer to Caninus than to AF at that point. Um, wow, you like that? Bring it back. Yeah, you're you're welcome. But here's what I say. The drumming is very 90s demo to me um, in that the way it's recorded is very like I'm playing drums in a big empty room, but the music's pretty good. I, it's it's 90s New York hardcore, you know? Um, yeah, it's, well, if you like early 90s New York hardcore, you could do, you know, like that's what it sounds oh, like. Oh, there's a whole lot worse. So, so yeah. So, the so, character in front of them. Correct. And so I get it when I see a wave of people who are like, yo, I... I I am not the elitist demo core fella. I just like music that's moshy and this is pretty good and it's pretty fun and there's some good stories. And like, I'll be really fucking honest. When I heard the name 25 to life as a kid, I thought that was the coolest thing. Then I heard the music and was like, Oh no, like probably 98. It's going to be ill. And then you're like, Oh, I thought it was going to be so cool. So uh, maybe there's a part of me I've holding definitely on watched to. Inside Knowledge several times in my life, so I'm not one to say anything about anything. That's that's like the hit, isn't it? The early hit. Keeping it real is a hit. There's that's a lot, right. you know. Yeah, yeah. Burned yeah, by yeah. the flame. It's a big hit. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, uh, 25 to life. There is there's a Ricassance already. If you don't know now, you know. Um, it's been going for several years now. All right, you guys ready for the next question? Ready. Uh, yes or no answer, and then you can expand. Do you listen to hardcore every day? No. I would say almost every day I listen to music, but I don't listen to music every day. So no. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I think, I think <laughs> so Tom, when I answered, I answered like real, like, yeah, definitely not. And it's still a no, but then I was like, yo, sort of accidentally. I listen to hardcore, uh, not definitely not every day, but but more days. Like there's times where it's just like accidentally. It's like, oh yeah, this this is on. All right, you know. So um, you know, I might actually if the more I think about it, like if I'm going in the shower, I put on a playlist. Might, invariably, there's a hardcore song on there. I'll send like I'll I send usually go like radio. Rock yeah, hits like, of like, keeps you off. What happened? You keep- rock rock hits of 1972 keeps my algo. Uh, All right. <laughs> Um, you know, the, but let me be very clear. There was a time where it was, of course, I was listening to hardcore every day. What else? What else are you going to do with yourself? Jesus Christ! Yeah. Um, it's it, it, not listening to hardcore every day is a youth misspent. Well said. Hmm. Uh, uh, a friend of the podcast asks favorite sandwich, favorite pasta shape. Penny. Rigatoni. I'm a rigatoni guy. What are the twisty ones? Uh, the twisty ones are fantastic for pasta salad. Fantastic for pasta salad. Um, okay. Uh, I've been, we got elbows, like small macaroni elbows 
for something. Some I think uh, like potluck for like macaroni salad. Correct potluck for a macaroni that Amanda made that was banging. Like did the whole thing baked macaroni. Very very good. Um, she has made an incredible vegan baked macaroni, uh, which is awesome. But then I just had boxes because I think I bought like five boxes of it. Thinking like I don't know how many. What do you need? And she's like, you need one. That's all. <laughs> Uh, so then I used it with just regular pasta sauce, like, you know, tomato sauce or whatever. Uh, and it was good. So right now I'm going to say uh, elbows. I'm going to say elbows. Uh, and then favorite sandwich? Damn. I, like I mean, it. you want it for ease of purpose? Like, if you want to keep it in the Italian realm just so we don't have to be like... Sure. Yeah, I know. We're not going to... Um, mine is going to be um, favorite sandwich. I'll go uh, uh, club sandwich. Uh, uh, fake chicken parm. Mm. Uh, <clears throat> fake fake tuna for sure. Mm, okay, all right, there we go. Uh, which New York hardcore band would have opened for Screwdriver if they toured the U.S. in the '80s? There's an easy answer on this. Go ahead. There is an easy answer. Uh, is it YDL. Yeah, aside from YDL, who it's YDL who, skins for skins. The second YDL reference today on this episode. Um, so it's not, we aside from YDL, did our best skins for skins. Let's go. Um, aside, aside from, from YDL, YDL, who 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 would get? Here's a question: <sighs> who, who would get put on those shows, semi-aware, and then and then uh, spend their fifties uh, and sixties getting roasted by nineteen-year-olds online? Warzone. <laughs> Say it again, Tom. Maybe Warzone. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's a good guess. Are we talking first, like the "quote unquote" not sketchy record? I'm by, saying by the '80s they were fully sketchy. Yeah, I, I don't yeah, know. I'm saying. Uh, yeah, I'm saying sketchy, sketchy era. Yeah, yeah. Not White Rider, but no, uh, no uh, HTND. Yeah. Um, yeah. What? I don't know any of these records. <laughs> I'm happy to say I don't know. Bob anything. did that for you, Tom. I did. I did. <laughs> That's hail the new dawn. Oh, we were doing. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what was your answer going to be, Patrick? I don't know. I was it, like, Warzone's what a are really some of solid answer? Unfortunately, but I feel um, like Ray would have known better. Yeah. Yes, but I think they could have gotten duped in. Like, oh, you know. Like, I mean, here's the deal. There's a Warzone flyer that is that I think maybe was made by one of the YDL folks because YDL is also on it. That's uh, just screwdriver artwork. Oh, uh, yeah. You, you will know. <clears throat> I, was thinking find the, it. I was thinking the mob, maybe. Uh, my answer might have been something like rest in pieces. They wouldn't they, they wouldn't have known better. They would have been like, oh, shit, no. Um, I mean, it's that famous video of them playing with him wearing a screwdriver shirt on stage at CB's tucked in. It was like short shorts. Yeah, everyone go watch that so you can read the comments, which is just everybody going screwdriver question mark. And then somebody going, he addressed it in this in this zine in 19. It's, it's nonstop. People not reading the comments going screwdriver. And then <laughs> another person that's like NYHC defender coming up and being like, he's already addressed this. Come on guys. So the real answer, it's just YDL. YDL would have been. the best. Yeah, that's the correct answer. Just that's who would have done that. Um, okay. Uh, explain Krishna culture and how it became such a big thing in hardcore. Wow. Okay. Uh, do we have it? Do you guys know any religious studies majors? <laughs> I do, in fact. Um, okay, so uh, Krishna 
so so there's there's Krishna, and then there's uh, say it for me correctly, Iskon, right? I always say it That's incorrectly, correct. Iskon, yeah. Um, so that that is the uh, International Society for Krishna Consciousness, if I'm uh, right. saying it, and <clears throat> so uh, those Krishnas that organized under that uh, banner and umbrella uh, have a belief that you can explain spirituality in almost scientific terms. You can understand this world through this belief in Krishna. And, uh, you know, it's still obviously a religious belief. You're, you're talking about, uh, you know, guys, uh, you know, with 200 virgins following them around, uh, uh, you know, uh, fighting battles on, on, on flaming chariots sort of stuff. It's, it's clearly religious belief, but there is this underlying, the, the pitch of the religion, I should say, is you, you can understand this the same way you can understand gravity. It's, it, it, that's how it works. You're looking at a, at a system that makes sense. You just have to b- b- buy into the first core premise and then everything else under that premise has uh, intellectual and scientific merit, like uh, logical, uh, logical deduction. You can figure all these other things out. And, uh, in, you know, it, the reason that it became very popular, uh, with hardcore kids is because at one time they offered free meals and, and well, that's uh, the start of it. Yes. Correct. And, and there's a lot of people that this is a thing that I I never feel feeling comfortable talking about because some of them don't feel comfortable talking about it. And it's one of those sensitive fucking issues. A lot of uh, people specifically in New York hardcore are from, if they're not broken people, then they're from uh, broken situations. And, uh, you know, a lot of those people were going to find themselves under religious belief in some way, shape or form, whether it was Krishna or something else. Uh, and this was a place where they could go get food, be along, be uh, around other throwaway or runaway kids, yep. and uh, have some sense of community where, you know, um, everybody you can do your own research. That there's plenty of evidence of darkness there, but for at least a, a, a number of those kids, and at least at first, there was a place to feel accepted. To, to to hopefully make sense of the world as the Krishnas claim they could. And, you know, uh, it, th- that's why it took hold. And for people that were very hateful of it, and look, Tom was in a band with at least a half dozen songs decrying religion. Uh, I am a person who has a, you know, I, I have a very, I have an odd relationship with religion where I find it very interesting and I want to be respectful of it because I try to respect people's beliefs. But frankly, I don't, I don't buy anybody's beliefs. Right. (laughs) So so I'm, I'm skeptical and critical of, of these, of these institutions as well. Um, but you know, uh, helped a lot of kids not sit in a park smoking PCP helped a lot of kids not, find themselves in Rikers help, you know, I mean, for all the bad we could say about it and there was plenty bad, it, it played a role in, uh, in helping some people through, you know, for speaking totally, frankly, uh, a, a, 
a life that I'm not sure I could have lived. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, so, I mean, you, you're nailing a lot of things. And I think <clears throat> there's two elements in New York. Um, specifically, I think it helped uh, keep people who were would have been full-on um, potentially street people uh, from being street people. Uh, same things that draw people to hardcore. Uh, drew them to Krishna, um, search for identity, search for belief, search for understanding. And then there's this parallel to some of the straight edge stuff, uh, which is the clean living, et cetera. A lot of that vegetarianism um, plays a part in uh, Krishna consci- consciousness. Um, All right, here's my question for you guys. Please. Yes. All right. I'll give you three shots. Let's go. Name the two most charismatic people in New York hardcore in the 80s. Oh, sure. It's it's Harley and Ray. Right. Yep. Yep. That's why it fucking really got us close. Well, that's, that is exactly right. So some of the most... Ray could sell fucking ice to an one. Like, he, that dude is just... And and look, believer, full on. Like, it, it is his... It's a big part of his life. Uh, right, but he it. could convince... If you gave him an hour and an open mind, he's, you're, you're he going could far. probably con- convince you that this may be the way to go. Look, he used to go do speaking engagements, uh, basically just to you know with Krishna's, and I mean he still does a lot of the stuff. He's he's a, anyways. Uh, Tom nailed the the nail on the head. Uh, most charismatic, interesting, energetic people were attracted to it, and then a lot of other people also were interested. In it. And look, I don't want that to take away. There were a lot of people brought to that, brought to Krishna, who not just became believers, but have made it their lives. And I have a lot of respect for that. A lot of people I respect, appreciate, love, um, are full on in, are devotees. Um, And then there's a lot of people I know who have taken from it what they will. And I think that's the healthiest relationship you can have with religion at large um little and specifically is to take the pieces that you can apply to yourself or find interesting i think i stand a lot in line with both patrick and tom because i think tom doesn't necessarily have any love for religion but you know sees some of the merits in it for what it is (laughs) you know and, and look uh if you want to know more about krishna it is fascinating on about 18 levels just yeah, I, I should I should mention just the uh, j- just for this person who could go do this on their own, but <clears throat> I'll save everybody's time. Uh, the Wikipedia def- the Wikipedia on it it just sums it up uh, in a heartbeat uh, by saying it's it's essentially a, a monotheistic permutation of Hinduism. So uh, think about how interesting that concept is on its own. <laughs> so so there you go. Hell yeah. All right. That was a good one. Um, boo, 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 boo. Why do I keep buying records I clearly have no space for? Mm. Hey, what's up? My name's Lurk, and I'm the host of Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast. Every week, I have in-depth conversations with bands from all over the scene, big and small. We also like to keep our finger on the pulse and showcase up-and-coming bands on the show as well. So come check out Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast. I mean, I'll say this. If you're not a collector that is that finds it really interesting and fun to flip records, you know, Jeremy Baum, friend of this podcast, 
he enjoys every part of records, including packing them for shipment. Yeah. That that's he finds everything about it, everything about records like fun and tactile and meditative in its own way, exciting in other ways. I really do not feel that way. I, I held the um I held that uh reissue of Slip. I thought it was cool as shit. Yep. I held a new cosmic joke, thought the art looked great. I then you handed it off like a newborn. And then I handed it off like a newborn. <laughs> and and uh, here's the thing. Like if you have one of those classic, like let's say that you have an office uh, and, or, you know, or bedroom or whatever, depending on your age and, and where you're at in life. But you have one of those classic Ikea square shelving units. Calark, right? they're called now. Yes. What are they called? Calark? Calax? Let me pull it up. Calax. Calax. You're right. You're right. Um, let's say you've got one of those uh, and you've got a nice crisp record collection that once a year you, you reorganize mm. and it causes you to revisit mm. the, the Impaler's record that you haven't thought about in a year and you go, oh, that record rips and you put it on and you enjoy the shit out of it. What is that? Is that the serotonin? What is that? That when that, that strikes, what is the, the, uh, it, the it's a great feeling it, yes. it, and uh, it's the same thing if you have a comic book collection you've experienced yeah. this yeah. and it it is uh it's just a it's 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 its own form of of uh hobby that exists it's a very personal part of a hobby uh and then also you know people increasingly are using records to decorate their homes you know it it's it's a design choice in some regards i i'm uh, visiting my folks and i'm looking at a record i uh, so far as I can see, it's the only record in this house. It's a uh, got to be like 1981 disco remix of uh, John right. Carpenter's uh, Assault on Precinct 13 soundtrack. Hell yeah. Why not? You know, when I maybe I'll bring that home and it will just exist in one of those little squares uh, facing outward on my stupid office calendar. Uh, Calia Calix uh, fucking uh, uh, you know so why do you keep buying the records I don't know man we're uh, Krishna would tell you that uh, uh, the moments that you uh, experience those worldly pleasures are like sticking your head out of the water and gasping for air uh, but you're not addressing the problems of uh, of the chains of material life mm. wow are TUI gonna tour or am I going to have to fly somewhere? You got to fly somewhere. Depending on where you live. They're probably not coming to your town. Chances are. Chances are, but I don't know. I don't know. What, what, I th- how, how well? Let's, let's do this. What is the dream TUI situation? Is it just playing the big festivals? Is it doing a short but hit the For big... For us or them? Yeah, good for question. Them, for them in a like like say everybody is game for it. They're saying, "Hey, Pat, Tom, Bob, uh we are in for whatever you guys say, but we just want to do what do you think is going to be the most beneficial for us." So, I'm going to give you 3 and then you can have the wild card. One uh festivals only will hit all the big ones this year. 2 Short but solid hit all the major spots, maybe two week US tour. 
two weeks, maybe it's twelve days. Who knows? Maybe it's maybe it's two weeks. But, but maybe there's it's let's say it's like a 17 day 14 show tour you know um oh. so you hit the full us but it's you know it's brisk three full us 30 days 30 shows whole god whole shebang or d the wild card give me something else i'm saying you do the the big fest so say that's that's six weekends a year mm. If you give me another five weekends that you got, everyone's available, and then you hit, you know, you hit, you hit, you hit, you know, maybe Boston, York, Philly. If you don't play, you know, this is hardcore. Or like you play Chicago, you play, you know, Miami, you know, and, or you go to Europe, you go to Japan. Like I feel like that would be the best way. Like sprinkle, like because your regular shows are not going to be small. No. So if you do your own thing, it's not like it's not like oh you're playing in front of 150 kids. You're gonna be playing in front of a thousand kids everywhere you go, at least. So I wonder like that was my thought. But when you mentioned the 30 day thing, here's my question for you, Bob. Mm. I'm gonna answer your question with a question. Let's go. The T- TUI 2025 US tour. Mm, yes. Does that hit GB 2006 your uh, US tour levels? You know what's crazy is that there's more time between TUI's last album release and 2025. Oh no, not quite. Okay, thank God. Okay, I was gonna, I was skipping over Heatwave, um, thinking like from Big Kiss Goodnight till 2025 versus like Start right. Today to 2006. It was gonna be a very similar time frame. Maybe not exactly, but pretty close. Um, okay, does it hit the same? No, it doesn't. 30 days is too many. Um, 30 shows is too many. It's just they could do a full US and it'd be great. But at that point, you're building a package around it. You're making it a whole thing. You know, if they just wanted to go, yo, it's the TUI experience. That's why I suggested that be the like you go do 10 to 15 shows over 17 days, whatever it is. Um and that means you hit, you know, you do Boston, New York, Philly, Baltimore, or DC, maybe Richmond, Atlanta, Chicago. You know what I mean? You hit some of the major spots, but even that, like maybe that's too many. Maybe you're doing Boston, Philly, Richmond, Atlanta, Chicago. Give me another Midwest. Detroit. Yeah, Detroit. You get you get down to Texas, do one Texas show. You know what I mean? Like that means that it's the premium. If TUI plays three shows in Texas, yeah, there's th- there's people who go to all three. They play one show in Texas. Everyone is going. You know what I mean? Um, whereas I think if they play Dallas, well, the people from Houston won't go. If they play Austin, well, you'll get some people from Dallas, some people from Houston, but not everyone. If they just play Austin, yeah, everybody goes. So um, will they? I don't know. Should they? I'd love to see it. I want another TUI album. That's what I want, really. Patrick, what's your answer? Full full tour? What do you want them to do? Nope. Uh, I want uh, East Coast, West Coast, and then no disrespect to the... Uh, fuck. Uh, sorry. I, um, this is how... The middle of I'm the no country? Longer- I'm no longer an American. I was going to call you were it the, say the Bush. You were going to say the Bush. The mid, yeah, <laughs> the Midwest. Um, I uh, you either do tied down Tulsa 
LDB, pick one of those, uh, do it and satisfy the, the kids from the interior. And I'm not talking about doing an extensive East coast, West coast. I'm talking about four days on each. So, uh, you know, do it around a holiday weekend, um, and just, uh, blow those shows out with fantastic, uh, support. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think there's a reason for TUI to kind of overextend themselves into, uh, touring, touring, but I, I do Tuesday think you that, have to play a Tuesday somewhere and you don't want to play a Tuesday anywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. frankly, and I say this as a big advocate for touring, but there's no reason why they should have to. They've earned the fans that they have who are going to go nuts for them. Uh, let, you know, let them <laughs> – this is crazy coming from me because I really hold everybody to a high standard on touring. But uh, let them kind of just play the cream, you know? Let, let, let them do that. Unless they want to put out a new record and just go fucking do it. Love it. I sure. love all the energy. All right. Um, we're, we're running here. Um, do any managers – create truth social accounts for cross promo just in case oh i think the question is do any uh music biz folks yeah have some truth social accounts uh just in case (laughs) Uh, what just in case i want to hear some real shit no, well, like, I know who's one. Like the self defense dot truth social. <laughs> like, do you have one where you just post your tour dates and like, oh, check it out? Just you know, yeah, murder church at truthsocial dot com. Yeah, I mean, what I, I'm going to get a truth social social for what reason? So I can have the unfiltered reality, and I don't have to go through. <laughs> the, the, yeah, listen, uh, yes, I'm sure. I'm sure that there are uh, larger bands. Who to maintain their brand? At least have, have they at least have parked. They're, par- there. they're parked on the, on their name uh, on every. Yeah, yeah. Uh, five dollars uh, PayPal to anyone who sets up the Saddam five one eight on Truth Social for us, <laughs> uh, and blue and why not? We'll do it for the the MSNBC crowd too. Blue skies. Let's go. Yeah, but only if you then hand them over to me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pat needs control of those. Um, who's winning among the hosts at the following? Okay. Miniature golf. Pretty good. Probably me. I'm pretty good. Tom, how are you at miniature golf? Fine. Not great. Patrick, when's the last time you went miniature golfing? Three weeks ago. Mm. He has his own clubs. I've been in the last year. All right. I'll give it to Pat. Bowling. That's me. Yeah. Yeah, it's not me. I got it. Latham Bowl. I bowled 220 once. It was cool. Uh, uh, The heaviest I've ever bowled is 100. Oh, yeah. I'm crushing you, bro. Uh, that's like a bad. That's like a warm up round. Uh, ping pong, pretty good. I'm gonna say I'm gonna. I'd melt you two. Yeah, I, I'm terrible at it. You do you play on tour? What do you What do you got the ping pong? Uh, Dave had one for years, and we. I'll be honest; he can smoke me. Like, well, we're he, talking. If you own one, you you play a lot. I yeah, but he was beating me eight out of ten times. Like, yeah, exactly. it, if you play, you play. You know what I mean? You can because ping pong's one of those things you can set up and play solo, kind of like just to get the volley set going. Um, yeah, I, so I'll I'd split, say I'd I'll say split I'll, it. I could probably play against Pat. I'd probably win some, but I wouldn't. I'm not miniature golf. I think I'd be better than you, but bowling, I'll definitely smoke you. Ping pong, I'll split it. I'll say you can win that. All right, I'll take that. Darts. 
I'm good. I'm low. I'm good. Not good. Darts over. Damn, Tom. All right, we doing this. So Tom, Tom, you're gonna you're at least getting silver in one of these. I know it. I know it. Maybe. Darts. I don't enjoy any of them. No. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, can comps be as important as they used to be, or did streaming make them obsolete? Oh, I like that question. We've addressed we've addressed exactly this, and they killed them. Killed them. Tom. I think they pretty much made them obsolete to now that they're like you'd only buy one because like ah oh, it's cool. Like yeah, it's cool. I bought like the triple B like comps yep. that had like Agreed. songs from each. I'm like it's just cool to have one. Yeah, but it's not, it didn't I mean, break me into anything new. It was just that's, cool the, like, so that's the problem is that uh, yep. those triple B comps are cool. Uh, I think I'm not even talking uh, about the American Hardcore one. He came out with one that was like an anniversary of the first hundred records or whatever. Oh, interesting. Oh, sure, sure. And it was like, uh, a, sing, like a song from each record or whatever, like. It's pretty much, a, you know what I mean? Like, or you, you, know, you, you want to go back to America's Hardcore. I feel like those are the last of the remaining like comps that actually got people into stuff. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 what's the one that Run for Cover did one back in the day that had some good reach on it? But uh, I think, I think uh, Jeff was honest on our podcast, maybe about it. Uh, it, it doesn't have the penetration that you would hope. No. You know, like it, it's disappointing, I think. I'm relatively. Now, do you think that's? Go ahead. Do you think it's because, like, our idea of the comp? You know, like, you couldn't go get where the wild things are for five dollars on the on the counter of your local record store. Yep. Whereas, like, the late '90s, early aughts, you know, you could get a free one from fucking Warp Tour or who did the Trust Kill and fucking Ferret comps and all the stuff that like it kind of took away. So even before the streaming. Like the free comps kind of chopped away at the 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 yeah, value uh, of an actual compilation. Yeah, of I like think songs. I think I think samplers are are piles of shit. And well, that's what a comp is. And no, 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 no. A a good comp is yes, maybe those songs will be uh, will make appearances elsewhere, but that recording is that individual version. to that comp. That's a good comp, but. It, you're it, it, you guys are familiar with that idea of a, a prisoner's dilemma, right? Mm. Like you need you both parties need the other one to act in the interest of each other rather than self-interest. That's right. And how do you ever gamble on somebody acting altruistically instead of out of self-interest? It's impossible. So with comps, you you're kind of talking about, oh yeah. It would be great, everybody, if we could give one legitimate banger to th- that we're not putting anywhere else on this comp, and that and would make this that. comp so awesome. And everybody's going, yeah. yeah, everybody's going, uh, yeah, that would be awesome. But this song is lit, <laughs> you know. I just got an album that can make us some money. Yeah. Yes. No, so, so the, the there is a difference between comps and samplers in my mind too, but. Those lines got blurred when the sampler yeah. era kind of took over, which is late 90s, early aughts for sure. And there was a lot that made sense to the sampler era because the idea was, hey, uh, secretly, we sell CDs for $16 or more, <laughs> but we can make them for like $0.08. Cents. So if we have a bunch, and I know firsthand from this, 
uh, those label samplers. Well, everybody kicked in a couple hundred bucks to put their track on there. It was basically right. like marketing money. And we'll make 5,000, 10,000, 20,000 of these, and they'll just be given out in mail order, given out at Warp Tour, given out blah, 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 all this stuff. <clears throat> I don't hate it. I also know that probably the <clears throat> actual listen rate on those, one in 10, you'd be feeling probably lucky. Right, like a lot of those CDs get cracked in people's uh, pockets, yeah. let alone just being thrown at stuff, you know, for for shits and giggles. Um, that said, uh, comps can be defining moments of places. I mean, flex your head the way it is, where the wild things are. I mean, look, there's some '90s comps that I think do that well. Uh, I think that's what I think what. Sam was doing with the America's Hardcore stuff. He was trying to capture a little bit of the scene that he saw around him. And I, I think when they're done well is what Pat was pointing at, which is like when you put a banger on there, it can be like, oh, snap. And that's something there there was a couple comps. Um, I think Atomic Action did a comp called Winter is Always Cold. It's like Excellent. a New England music comp. I thought it was actually fantastic. Yeah. Um, we did a one of the earliest episodes we did that we uh, we should do stuff like this more, but the comps aren't coming. We did a listen through on America's Hardcore, and it was awesome. That was the one that had the TUI Knock song. Yo, that is a banger, Trapped Under Ice song. No doubt. Yep. Full stop. Just great song. I have a video of Pat moshing to it in John Marks' studio in Greenpoint where we recorded wearing a balaclava. Yo, because because we listened to it and you instant everybody was we I think we might have listened to it twice because we're like wait yo put that one on again that's yeah, damn like, good like so that's cowbell so will comps ever be relevant no but there might be ones that buck the trend by just being having catching lightning in a bottle basically um, but streaming has essentially made it harder. The goal is the same. It's just how do you make it so that people reach for the comp in a streaming age? Right? Like, why yeah. would you? Um, all right. Are any comedies from your youth funny in the slightest to a young person now? <sighs> wow. Um, yes. Yeah. Is Goonies still funny? It's also kind of... No, I it's heartfelt. heartfelt. Yeah, heartfelt's the right word. Um, comedy. Wait, 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 could you put that? Could you put a kid in front of that movie and, he, and they'd enjoy it? No, you can't put a kid in front of anything that's uh, less than ten years or more than ten years old. Uh, I, I mean, like, look. When we say kid, what do we mean? Like a, like kid. a let's let's say kid, kid. Um, the answer is. Yes, but it's like it's different. The way media is consumed and the way media is, especially by the time they're going to be teenagers. Like teenager, I think a, I think a, currently a 14-year-old has no time for anything that's pre-2000. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I've shown Easton, who's younger, more movies from older than that. And he's, he's, he can appreciate it. He's, you know, there's certain, he, thought, he thought Home Alone was fun. He, he liked the notion of it, you know? Sure. It's not a belly ripper, you know what I mean? He's not dying laughing because of it. Um, but I think that's just, you know, it's the same thing. If someone showed me at age seven a movie from when I was, when from 1963, 
am I going to be like, oh, oh, you know, like I sure I watched Mr. Ed. It was kind of funny, but not not funny in the way the shows I really liked were funny. It was like, huh, okay. Like think about a kid just doing the huh, okay. Like yeah, there's no joy in that. So I think that's kind of that's kind of it. If you're starting to get older, I wonder, do you think that 25-year-olds, like people who are into movies or film, quote-unquote, do you think they go backwards? And Like, can a 25 to 30-year-old appreciate National Lampoon stuff? Yes. Patrick? Yeah, you would really hope so. I, I Listen, I, I, I'm, I'm in advanced age now, but I watched a movie from 1974 the other night. Mm. Almost cried. It was so goddamn good. I, I was like, uh, it made me lament the era that we're in right now. I got depressed. Jesus, dude. What movie? California Split. It's a Altman movie about gambling, and it's just That's so I mean, it's- so good. Tom, watch that one tomorrow. Hmm. You get right on that. Uh, we losing. Way the- to go, Boomer. <laughs> we losing the fuck it, just play ethos of punk and hardcore. To proficiency and tightness. Yes. Tom? And yeah, thankfully. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I mean, look. Uh, I, well, no. I, I won't say that. But let, let me say this real quick. Um, Dookie, a uh, f- friend of this podcast. he Or Green Day record. Either one. Or Greg Green Day record. Uh so Dookie, who has made two cameos on this podcast by virtue of sharing hotel rooms with me, um, he he is not looking for proficiency in his punk music. He's looking purely for vibe. So when he turns me on to shit, it's because it's vibe heavy. And I'll listen to it, and because I, I'm not looking at it, I'll go, Dookie, this sounds like it was played backwards by people who aren't good at playing music forwards it's terrible and 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 he'll go yeah but you don't get it man he'll go you know it it, it, like uh they only play backyards and whittier and they uh they they you know uh they, they they set themselves on fire before they play and they have to play the entire set in six minutes or they die and i'll go okay yeah that's cool you know, what I mean? <laughs> yeah. all right. Fuck it. I guess. I guess you're right. Um, well, yeah, you gotta see it to you know really get it. Yeah. I. Um. No, we aren't. But it's just finding its space in deeper holes. It's. Yeah, it's the backyards and Whittier. There's still basement scenes. There's still. The true DIYers. Um. And that the proficiency and stuff is being seen as more of a need. You know, it's uh, there's starting to be a uh, a valley between those things. But that's always been the way it is. This is secular. What are we talking about? Um, What does a singer have to say on stage for you, even Patrick, to unanimously denounce them? What's the shit Phil and Selmo, Selmo said? That's that's it for me. We're good. My answer is completely different and not satisfying to this individual. <laughs> Pat's going to be like, a, there's nothing. A, a non vote for Biden is a vote for Trump. That's what Pat would say. The boomer. Pat. It, no, it just uh, if you give me a a pat and easy political uh, slogan, I go, uh oh. 
Yeah, oh, not a real band. Not full of people with thoughts in their heads. You know what I mean? And I'm I'm just out. Like I did not bring it up. I didn't bring it up because it's got too much baggage. Didn't want to fucking deal with it. And we were late into a podcast. Our last podcast, when I was going through shit I saw on the internet, there was a conversation about politics and hardcore and how people people with platforms could be using them more effectively. And I'm just going to sum up my my view on this very succinctly. We don't have to talk about it if you don't want to. We've talked about politics and hardcore infinitely. Here's what it is. I know a lot of people in bands. Seven out of ten of them are fucking morons. And I mean that with all the love and respect. It's not like I'm any sort of genius. But the idea that you need these people to say something on behalf of a cause you care about, I would just as soon have them shut the fuck up so that they don't embarrass me by taking my side in something and then being completely unable to explain why they hold that position or what it even means. So, so, so I'm in a different place. I don't want to hear anything about your fucking, I, I'd love to hear about politics. Would love to hear about your worldview. I don't want to hear your slogans at all. Hmm. Okay, Tom. If we only had recorded something just like that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, what was the question was about? What does a what does a singer oh. have to say on stage for you to unanimously denounce them? Um, something probably overtly racist. Look, the threshold and not in a comedy, like not in a like. I've seen enough bands in New York that like say things that are like not great, yeah. but like I know where it's coming from, and it's not coming from a hateful, hateful place. Yeah, they, they've got their own type of shock value. Right. Like, I've seen All in the Family. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like, and, 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 and you've saw you've seen the musical review of All in the Family, uh, Sheer Terror. <laughs> you want to say that, but yes. <laughs> and you know where it's coming from, and it's not, Paul is not coming from a pay, place of hate. Yeah. And, like, you, you know, I, I, I'm not totally offended by comedy that's offensive, but if someone was overtly, like, <clears throat> racist or anti-woman or anti-gay like i'd be yeah that would probably be enough for me <laughs> those were the days oh yeah god that's and so we good what we wanted god that's so good i want it so bad for him to do it all right with og death metal making appearances at fest what's the next uh genre my guess is ska I don't know. Oh, that'd be cool. I don't know. If I can see that. Fun enough. We'll see. What would be the ska jump on at a hardcore fest? Uh, Catch twenty two. Okay, there we go. They were on victory. Yeah, you had a comp with them and shut down on it somewhere. We got it. Uh, uh, yes, you did. Uh, what's the What's the band that came out of Catch twenty two? Uh, Streetlight Manifesto. Streetlight Manifesto. Yeah. I'm not kidding. I don't know a song from that band, but I know this with absolute certainty. Uh, Could drop onto any festival and do all right. Uh, (laughs) So maybe that. Well, the the story, there's some kind of crazy story about that. Like, so Streetlight Manifesto, I I know I'm going to get the details wrong, Hmm. but somehow, like, so he was the main guy was in Catch 22. Correct. Wanted to get like out of victory or off of victory or whatever, Mm -hmm. and they wouldn't let them. So like, all right, cool, cool, cool. You keep that stuff. We're gonna break up, and then they reformed as Streetlight, and like 
re-recorded stuff and like kind we, of like they did they, that they, they eventually, did the taylor swift yeah they they did buy back the catalog uh, i know too much yep. about this actually um yep, members same. members of one cool guy uh a band i saw many times also it was catch 22 and one cool guy oh cg um came together <laughs> and uh started streetlight um yes uh let me just say this streetlight manifesto is very successful uh, very very um only their their spotify streaming is only 293.4 monthly uh if uh drug church got offered to do a tour with them i think i would tell pat he has to do it has to so um, i do any of that shit hell yeah there you go uh self-defense is offered streetlight manifesto tour Mm. <laughs> I recently heard the term coworker hardcore and I found it funny. What's your take? Um I so okay. <clears throat> this is one of those internet things I'm not quite up on. I I've heard the term and I can make assumptions about what it means. Do we do we have a hard definition of what it means? I do not. I think it's like exactly what you'd assume purely clueless sort of um if someone you know, says what do you listen to and you go oh hardcore and then they say like blank that's the like, answer, like a right? day like a day to remember maybe like oh you, know you mean, mean like a day to remember and you go yeah like that right, like, right that's right. coworker. <laughs> that, that, okay that that would you be my do yourself a favor don't google coworker hardcore uh, <laughs> oh no i will not oh, i mean you're like, just at your parents house who cares <laughs> yeah just don't like, hope you don't hope they don't pick up the phone while you're dialing in <laughs> uh yeah so it is i mean listen that's funny and uh particularly because i think there is um i think if we look at it hard enough there would be a lot okay so now i'm looking <clears throat> okay right all right are you guys ready for the real you guys ready for the real conversation of course yeah, let's do it Okay, so here's what the internet has to say that coworker hardcore is. Okay. Uh, okay. Knocked loose and turnstile. No. Turns off for certain. I can see uh, tsunami, turnstile, scowl, knocked loose, and Kublai Khan. So this is basically like the biggest Hot bands are, that are around or most name recognizable. Sure. Okay. Um, Civilians aren't going to know 90% of those bands, man. No, no. but and, and that's true. But you understand what they're getting at. Right. Yeah. Like, like I get it. <laughs> I understand what's happening here. <laughs> um, I, yeah. Listen, it's funny. It's the same. It, it's the same shit with Taco Bell hardcore. It's funny. It, it's uh, it sucks for somebody that's working really hard at a thing Yeah, is, is maybe a young person that doesn't understand that this is just the nature of, of, of criticism and how it goes and whatever. Um, which is a thing, everybody in the sound of my voice, it's late into the podcast. So maybe you haven't made it here. Uh, if I ever say anything bad about your band, please understand. I I just see it as part of my little gig here, and I don't see myself as very important. So it, it's I, I understand it's very painful to have somebody truly shit on <laughs> your efforts. So uh, I think that that's one of those. It's just one of those things, right? Like if somebody's working really hard to do a thing well, and somebody's going, "Oh, that, b- that bullshit Taco Bell hardcore," you go. Damn. Now for me, it's funny, but for, you know, for somebody else, it might not be funny. Okay. Uh, 
we've been going for a minute, so I'm gonna you got one more really good one, then we're gonna continue this over on uh on Patreon. So everyone, uh sign up for our Patreon. We love you. Do it. Tom Patrick. Yes. We were asked. Are you chilling? <laughs>